Jones, and welcome to the Cockroach Coop Podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and today we're not going to be talking about roosters and chicken coops. Instead, we're talking about Tottenham Hotspur. This is a Tottenham Hotspur podcast. And specifically, today I'm going to be talking about the 5-0 thrashing of Everton at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Now, I don't have any guests with me. This is going to be a solo podcast, kind of in the vein of Bill Burr. If any of you have listened to Bill Burr's podcast, you'll kind of get a, a feel for the way that it goes. But it's something similar to that, where it's more just like kind of off the cuff and uh, and a little bit more relaxed. But until I'm able to get someone else to come on, it's just going to be me here. And uh, yeah, mostly because, well, I'm from Canada. And let's be honest, there's not too many people here who are really into soccer, let alone the Premier League, let alone Spurs. So I got a lot of things to say and I got a lot of stuff that's all pent up and um, not really too many people to talk to uh, about Spurs. So yeah, it's just uh, it's just me here, the Cockerel Coop. This is the home of the cock. I just realized that sounds really weird, but Spurs fans will—they know what I'm what I'm getting at. You know, then y'all know what I'm getting at. Five nil. Why does it always feel like week after week you you can never really predict the result? You know, I feel like if you said to me last, or if you asked me last week, probably last. After, especially after the Middlesbrough defeat, if you asked me about that, or if you asked me about what my thoughts were going into the Everton game, I would have said it's a definite loss, definitely, because this season specifically we struggle against weaker teams. For some reason, we show up against the big boys, you know, Man City, the Leicester game. The Liverpool draw was really good. You know, we we've had we've had some good performances against good sides when historically we've struggled, but um specifically against the lower sides like Everton is freaking 17th place right now. 18th place, sorry. They um are seriously relegation fodder right now and you know, especially the way that like against the Burnley you know, Middlesbrough, Pac, Pasus. How many? How many bottle jobs have we had this season? Quite a few. So I was not optimistic for this game. Needless to say, but what a performance! What a performance that was across the board. Everyone, I thought everyone played excellent. You know, Larice didn't have much to do, which is is good. Is good for him lately, especially after some of the blunders he's made, especially against. Wolves in particular, if uh, I feel like if those two goals, those two early goals, which were probably conceded from mistakes for him, if those weren't conceded, then I think that um, our chances in that game would have probably been a little bit better. If not losing, then we probably could have drawn. But um, yeah, it's it's good for Lloris not to have a lot of work to do, I think. And um, yeah, it was just honestly... One of those games that you could just watch and have a good time, you know? And I feel like that hasn't happened in, in like quite a long time. Like even against City, when we were winning, you know, every every time we had a lead, like you're, you're clenching your ass, you know, like you're not at all feeling safe about the game. 
at all. And so when this game turned around, it was a 2 nothing, 2 nil, And I was thinking, okay, it's 2 nil in the 20th minute-ish. There's still definitely some time for Everton to come back. And the third goal, and I thought, okay, you know, West Ham 3-3. This, we've been here before. You know, we've been here before. And then the fourth goal. And then after the fourth goal, I was pretty certain that was done for sure. And um, I actually didn't think that we'd get a fifth goal. I thought after that we would just sit back and, you know, try and try and just not concede, which is, I guess, okay when you're 4-0 up and you only have about, I don't know, 30 minutes to go. But it's good to see that they were still trying to get that fifth goal, you know, or even more goals just to kill the game out, which is good to see. It's an encouraging sign. Um, weirdly enough, though, so the XG for this game had us at 3.24 for Spurs, according to Understat, and 0.21 for Everton. Now, earlier on in, in Conte's reign, I would say, all of our wins were backed up by the numbers. You know, say we'd win 2-0, 2-0, we'd have at least 2 XG, or, you know, and so on and so forth, but lately we've been kind of overperforming and it's um I don't want to say it's concerning but it's just something to to note you know um especially like like I said before like against lower lower tiered opposition you know maybe Conte has some degree of tactical inflexibility you know we've seen when we switch to a, a back four that Conte can change things on the fly and make a big impact that way. Um, I think it was against Wolves. I'm pretty sure it was against Wolves. Um, the performance just went up a level after after that happened. But, you know, I think I like the fact that he's got a system and a, and a method of playing. He knows He knows where he wants his players to be and he's getting his players to know where they're supposed to be and it's it's working out it's working out but at the same time I think you know maybe sometimes he's got to like look at things from a different perspective and that's you know easier said than done especially from some idiot like me all the way in Canada just sitting here talking about spurs like what the fuck do I know not much but you know that's probably not a bad idea to be flexible with your tactics according to who you're playing but onto the lineup now the lineup I think was exactly who I wanted to be starting you know um even though Regulon's kind of recovering from COVID I've been thinking that he's been a little bit lackluster lately especially under Conte like you know when when he came under Mourinho he started off really well and I was really excited for him and he, you know, he's by far right now our best left back. But at the same time, I think that, you know, in the last few months, he's kind of been regressing a little bit or not really regressing, but just not improving very much, um, at least visually. Like, I don't see him making really uh, penetrating runs. And if he does, he kind of cuts back in the mold of Ben Davis when Ben Davis was playing on the wing or on the left back spot. Um, so I haven't really been impressed by him, but Sessegnon, you know, he's still 
still young, obviously, but I think I think the signs are encouraging lately for him. Uh, I, I really like the way he plays. I feel like he suits Conte's system, especially in the wing-back-to-wing-back link-up. We've seen that goal against Leeds for Doherty, who we'll, we'll get to later, of course. Yeah, Sessegnon has been really encouraging for me. I think that he deserves to keep this run of form up, or not even form, but just run of games. You know, he had obviously a, a poor display against Burnley, but I think he deserves a ch- the chances that he's been getting, and I think that he should keep it up. Um, unfortunately, though, he got pulled off at halftime, it looks like, due to injury, so hopefully it's nothing serious on that front. Um, and a lot of people were saying... Or not even a lot of people. The commentator who I was listening to on zone here was saying that Romero was pulled off because of injury, but have no one's heard anything yet about his injury. And um, it was more likely just that he was already on a yellow, and, and we know how Romero plays. You know, he's pretty aggressive, so kind of likely to pick up another one. But yeah, Romero was pulled off at halftime. Not halftime, sorry, 55 minutes-ish. And replaced with Davinson Sanchez, so... I thought that was pretty smart, you know. We got Manu coming up this weekend, and we're definitely going to need Romero to be available because, yeah, Damson Sanchez has got some positive attributes, but keeping a level head is not one of them, I think. Um, And, yeah, so I was pleased with Sessegnon. Also pleased with Regulon. Like I said, you know, he I, I kind of felt like lately he's been on a downward slump, but... He comes on and makes an instant impact with two touches and a goal, you know, so you never know what could happen, you know, like a player could be, as we'll get on to later with Matt Doherty, a player could be having a particularly dry spell or bad run of form and then all of a sudden they get one good performance and that could be what they need to propel themselves forward, Um, but, you know, hopefully... Now that Regulon was probably going to be playing for the next few games, he can he can keep up that same drive to make an impact. But I really just hope that Sessegnon is, is okay and his injury isn't very serious. But next up in the lineup that I wanted to talk about was Ben Tinker. Now, Ben Tinker is an incredible player to watch right now. I just feel like he just glides with the ball, you know? He just glides. Like, he's not even... He's not running. He's just gliding. It's, it's crazy. Just to watch him play. Like, we, we've seen in Dombele, like, the way that he dribbles is, like, very strange. It's, like, kind of jittery. And um, I think that Bentaker, like, looks like he kind of has a unique sort of gait. And I think the kind of same thing ex- applies to Kulisevsky. Uh, they, they both, like, don't run, like... They don't run, like, typical football players when you like your son runs like normally and Kane runs kind of normally although slow but um I, I I think that Benton Curtis looks like a really polished player you know he's very calm on the ball and just the way that he carries it is just honestly like he'll receive the ball at half line turn make a forward pass or keep going or just carry you know and um, I think especially right now in this system, that's that's something that we need. And um, yeah, it's just a pleasure to watch him. And Kulisevsky, my God, 
What a player. What a player. Two assists on the night. Okay. Two assists. Two assists on the night for him. And he had a really good performance, keeping up his form uh, from the last six games. And just get this, you know, six appearances for this guy. 21 years old. Six appearances. He's already got two goals. And is it three assists or four assists? Three assists. Two goals and three assists. And six appearances, which is more or one less assist than Lucas Mora. So has he has the same output. He has more goal involvements than Lo Celso, who's played over 50 games almost in only six matches. And he's 21 years old. He is honestly such an exciting player to watch. And in the summer, I remember there were links with him to Arsenal, and I was really disappointed at reading that because I felt like he was a player that we could use. Um, you know, he's just young, full of potential. He's so skillful. I just love watching him play, and and it's just, it's oh my god, those assists though, like that weighted pass into right into who was it that scored? That weighted pass right into Regulon. I think it was Regulon who who buried his his pass. That way to pass was amazing. And the back heel, the Doherty, and oh, geez, what else? That link-up played for Sun's goal is just incredible. I think the, the stuff he does is amazing. It's like he has all of the creativity of a, of a proper midfielder, but, like, the positional awareness of a winger, and, like, he's just such a great player to watch, and I hope that his form continues. Um, and next up we got Sun, you know, a lot of people online have been saying that Sun has been having a little bit of a, a dry spell or like, you know, a downward slump, the same thing like I've been saying with Regulon, but people have been a lot more concerned and, you know, this is something that Sun tends to, tends to do not on purpose, but it just tends to happen where, he goes on a little bit of a dry spell and he's not burying all his chances like he usually does. But I'll take a fit son any day of the year, you know, any game. If son is fit, I'm taking him. I'm putting him on my team. I'm not I'm not benching him unless, of course, he's not being ran into the ground like he tends to. By other managers or by all managers, because he's just that good. Like, you know, if he's fit, like you got to play him. Like, what, are you going to play Bergwijn? Like, Bergwijn, I would love to see play more, but I I just don't see how he gets in the team ahead of Sun. Like, it's just really hard to displace him. I think that um, he should just be rotated more with Kane. But um, if Brian Hill was here, then that would be better. But hopefully he bulks up in, in Sevilla, or not, not Sevilla, Villarreal. Hopefully he bulks up over there so he can slot in next season. But uh, I really just think that Sun is such a key player. And I think that he should be starting every game if whenever possible. You know, I'll, I want to say like against lower opposition, like, you know, you could rotate him. But at the same time, we're already struggling with him on the pitch against lower sides. So imagine how it's going to be like 
without him you know and it's it's just hard to see it's hard to imagine and it's it's not something that i would i would do personally i i, I will always want him on my team same with kane you know kane had an amazing game fucking an amazing damn near had a hat trick no assists right no assists maybe one no no assists and he just he does it all doesn't he one at one point of the game he was at left back making a crazy cross crease clearance to doherty he is just such an incredible player and it's such a pleasure to watch him right now honestly yeah like he's just he's like a player that i'm never gonna see again you know we're never gonna see again and it's just especially good because he comes from the academy you know and like how's that gonna how's that gonna happen again you know it's evident clearly evident that spurs are not wiring the world properly and finding like the best young talent they can find so it's gonna be hard for them to produce another quality player like Kane or in the mold of Kane again, you know, we got Scarlet and Divine coming up, but like, who knows? You never know how, how players' careers are going to pan out. Like we've seen it with Delhi. You, you never know. But I think that if you just recruit the best possible youth players that you can you exponentially increase your chances of getting an, the next harry kane or, or whatever you know or a good player a good first team player that you don't have to spend 30 40 million on from some team out in europe you know and i think that harry kane is just such a special player and we're never gonna see well probably not in not in my lifetime, I don't think. We'll never see a player like him at Spurs again. I'm just being hyperbolic, but he's just something special to watch, you know? I I haven't been around when the club legends like like Jimmy Greaves, obviously, and you know, Teddy Sheringham or, or, or what have you, and um, Glenn Hoddle. Like, I haven't been around for those guys, obviously. I've barely been around since 2010-ish. I, I just caught the tail end of Gareth Bale's career but at Spurs, but... Um, I just really think that Kane is, is my favorite footballer at the moment. Actually, uh, that's a lot. It's a toss up between him and son, but I think that he is, is just such a pleasure to watch and I don't want to take it for granted. Like just some of the things that he does, the, the passes, the vision, the weight to his passes, the shots. Now he, he put up four shots this game though, that like. He just does it all. His productivity is insane. And he started the season really slowly because of probably because of the Euro. Let's be honest. We thought maybe it was the drama with Man City, but the guy was playing all summer long. He had, what, a two, two, three week break? He had barely any time to rest. It's no reason. It's no, it's no wonder it took him so long to get back into the swing of things and now he's at 10 goals you know i feel like three weeks ago he is at five and now he's at 10 so hopefully he keeps it up for the rest of the season but he's just such a good player and and the way that he's taken on to like especially when Mourinho came like he blew up you know absolutely blew up golden boot most assists and now under conte you can see he's taken his game to another level so I think that it's amazing the way that he's just responding to the the attitude and the mentality of these coaches that he's been working under. 
And um, it's just such a great thing to see. And uh, long may it continue. I hope he doesn't leave to go to City this summer. <sighs> Man, what would we do? You know, it's like 150 million out of, out of all that money spent. Can do I trust the recruitment department to adequately replace Harry Kane? Adequately fill the holes of the squad and address the areas of concern or definitely fucking not definitely not and harry kane is already three players in one so why would you get rid of him for anything less than 200 million never let alone 150 you know it's just uh, i just hope he stays you know and now that a trophy is out of the way it's like what else? well what are we going to do to entice him well Finishing top four would be a start, I think. You know, th that's a realistic target at this point, even though it's a fucking ass-clenching race. But it is realistic. And if that happens and there's adequate recruitment in the summer, I think we have a decent chance of not only winning a trophy, but winning a trophy with Harry Kane, which is something that would be a story. Oh, man, I would love to watch that movie that'd be a great movie wouldn't it i'm pretty sure it would be a great movie a lot better than the amazon documentary yeah great performance from him and the defense the defense was also very great I, i'm i'm thinking player of the year for me is eric dyer hands down you know as, as good as kane is as good as son is i just think that eric dyer is such a crucial cog in our machine right now and without him the team just absolutely collapses he just seems so level-headed and, and when he's back there i feel assured you know, I feel confident that we can at least have a decent chance to win, you know, and Romero, Romero is just such a good, such a good defender. I just love the way he lunges into tackles and he's confident on the ball. It's just great to see our right side is now better than our left side, I think. And that is something that I've been waiting for for a long time because I felt like, especially under Nuno, those dreadful two weeks was it? Especially under Nuno and a little bit under Mourinho, I guess. I think I thought that we had a tendency to primarily attack on the left side, and that made things a lot harder for us once teams started to figure us out because it was just they just double up on Sun, you know, or or triple up on Sun or, or on that left side, you know, just have a lot more support and then target our freaking astronomically weak right side and then that's how it would end but now it just feels like the right side there with Romero, Doherty and, and Kulusevsky is just so much more dynamic and so much more capable of producing threats and stopping threats at the same time so it's just really great to see the way that the team is is kind of meshing right now now it's all about consistency you know can we keep this up until the end of the season for these last 12 games can we keep this up more so than arsenal or man u or west ham fucking even wolves can can do you know can we match that consistency or surpass their consistency i think we can but um you just gotta hope man at this point it's just it's just hope it's just hope really ben davies he was he was good he was good that's that's all i can say about ben davies lately is that he's just good Especially, oh man, that was that goal line clearance? No, it wasn't goal line, but that that stop he made for was it Stuart Dallas against Leeds 
last weekend. Ooh, that was amazing. He just puts a lot of work in and you can see it. So he's a very commendable player. And um, I like having him in the side. Do we need another left-sided center back? Yes. Not necessarily to replace him, but at least to have another option. You know, we can't put Davis Sanchez there or Romero. Like we need, we need a left-footed center back. I think that makes that makes the whole system work so much better, especially one that can play long balls. Like if we can have all three of our center backs capable of pinging balls to our wingers and behind, I think that that's a different gravy. You know, that is a different gravy. The next player I want to talk about is the one that everybody has been buzzing about, and that is Matt Doherty, or as the British commentators call him, Doherty, Doherty, which absolutely makes no sense to me. Um, I don't think that's even how Irish people pronounce his last name, so I'm just going to call him Doherty. And uh, yeah, when he came from Wolves, I was really excited. I had him in my fantasy team that whole season where before he left and I was just so hyped because I was like thinking yes you know like we have the second most productive right back in the league right now and then he came and was a hot pile of nothing steaming pile of nothing for what now a year and a half but he got covid probably had to recover i don't know if he was injured or not but he was just not performing very well and then now now his bar has just been raised so high you know two assists in this game a goal in the last a goal and an assist in the last i believe yeah, a goal and assist in the last game. You know, his productivity has just shot up in the last few games, and he just seems like a more solid player. Um, you know, the the wingback to wingback pass that Sessegnon and him were involved in was just such a nice play, and, and I've, I've seen Hakimi and Perisic do that at Inter last season, you know, and, and that was like, wow. That, I feel like, is what got them the title. Is just, like, that system that Conte implemented working exactly how he wanted it to. And now, hopefully, with the wingbacks, they they recognize their importance to the system and try and execute Conte's instructions. You know, like, Emerson Royale, I don't think, can do it. I don't think he can. I think he's a solid player. Solid enough player, but he just doesn't have that extra bit of sauce that we need to to progress you know like we need a we need a dynamic right back one that can right wing back one that can go up and down with ease and send in accurate crosses and make clean tackles hold the ball in the midfield and do smart things like emerson i just don't think he i don't think he's he can do it which sucks because i feel like a few years ago he was a highly rated player and this is like kind of like a stain on Paratici's record at the moment. And like so far, you know, he's got two hits, it looks like, but and one kind of dud and one probably a miss by or a misfire. But um, yeah, Emerson, I don't think can do it. But Doherty, his improvement lately has been commendable. And I hope, like I said, long may it continue. Um, one player I do want to talk about is Oliver Skip, and I really miss Oliver Skip. I think that Skip and Bentinker is the way forward. I think that Skip and Bentinker will get us top four. Hands down. Like I said with Eric Dyer, like, you know, I just feel composed and, and secure when 
when Dyer's on the pitch and when Skip's on the pitch. I think they just work so well together, keeping that spine nice and locked and also just, you know, maintaining a level of consistency that we need. And it's kind of fucked up because he's 21 years old and we're relying on him so hard. That's kind of crazy. He does look like an NPC from like a Grand Theft Auto game with those massive forearms of his. Why is he so big? Holy shit. But um, he is a hugely important player and i just can't wait to see the way he develops i, I he, he's like one of those hard-working players that you just want to see do well and oliver skip baby wow i can't wait for him to come back not sure what his what the holdup is you know there was some some news of an infection and then more complications so Hopefully that all pans out, but this is the first episode of this podcast, and I obviously haven't found my rhythm yet, and um, probably not too many people are going to be listening to this episode, let alone this far in this episode, but I'm I'm probably just going to try and refine the way that I'm doing this, or even just get used to it, you know, like this, this is the first time I'm doing like a solo venture podcast of anything of this variety. I've had a previous podcast that didn't pan out, but, um, you know, this is just something I got to get used to and and tweak with. And I think it's going to be fun. You know, I I wanted to start earlier in the season, um, probably like after New Year, I think I've, I've kind of thought of the idea of doing it, um, at the beginning of the season, but then January came and, and I set up all of the, you know, infrastructure and then I didn't follow through mostly because it's not my fault, but because the defeats, the three straight defeats to Chelsea just absolutely made me so disenfranchised with the team, you know, disenfranchised, disenfranchised with the team. It was just so hard to, you know, just to want to, just to want to watch the team play. And, um, yeah, after, after those two defeats, I kind of abandoned the idea, but now I'm back at it because I thought, you know, we won five, nothing. Why not talk about it? You know? And like I said earlier, like uh, I have not, I don't really have people who I can talk to about Spurs and so I just want to like you know let it all out in a sense I want to take a dump on your chest virtually about Spurs um you know I've got a few people I talk to but like it's it's never in depth you know it's never it's never really serious and it usually ends in me getting bantered so yeah doing this alone saves myself from the banter if in the meantime I'd love to have someone else come on um, you know, I am from Tottenham. Yeah, I am from Tottenham, Ontario, Canada. Not Tottenham, UK. But, um, yeah, I, I would really like to have someone else come on, you know, occasionally. It could be fun. I'd love to go on someone else's at the same time, you know. Um, but yeah, I think, I really do think that, uh, I kind of, this club didn't really pick me. No, I said that wrong. I didn't really pick this club. It kind of picked me. If that made any sense, you know, I'm, I'm doomed 
in a sense, to be suffering with the, the pains of the ups and downs that this club is offering. And this, these last few weeks have just been so, so emblematic of that. It's like, man, one day we're winning the league, the next day we're getting relegated. And it's just painful but beautiful at the same time. I'm, I'm here for the ride. And uh, I just want to keep, keep on this coaster. If that, I don't think anyone says keep on this coaster, but I I just want to watch every game, no matter what the result is. And um, yeah, I think I should end this here. You know, I've got over thirty minutes. Probably imagine that a lot will get cut out, but over thirty minutes. And I think that's sufficient for my first episode. You know, I can't wait for to talk about Man U. Hopefully it'll be a positive, positive note, you know. But I think that testing myself in addressing negative performances is going to be... (laughs) I'm going to have to do it if I'm going to keep making this podcast. I can't keep making it only if we win. But um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm looking forward to talking about it. But in that case, my name is Julian, and this has been the first episode of the Cockroach Coop podcast. Remember, this is not a podcast about chicken paraphernalia or rooster housing. This is the Tottenham Hotspur podcast. The Tottenham Hotspur podcast? Is it the Tottenham podcast? Probably not. Probably not. But it is a Tottenham podcast, not about chickens or roosters, but about the golden cockerel that sits atop the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. This is the Cockerel Coop Podcast. Thank you for listening.